0: Well, hello everyone, welcome to another edition of After Further Review with Mark Ferrera and John Pelkey. Jeff Taylor, our producer, with us as always. Certainly, hope you've had an enjoyable weekend and you've uh, you've recovered from the longest After Further Review episode of all time, the forty-one deep dive which I believe if you started listening to it Sunday afternoon at three, it probably wrapped up 20 minutes ago or so. So uh, thanks for, thanks for sticking with us for that. No deep dive today, Mark Ferreira, because no. there's actual sports going on and I'm, I'm going to make an admission here. Yeah. Because as you know, this is, this show is merely for your friends and family to make sure you're still alive. Uh, so that he can see you and, uh, and for us to work through our existential issues. So I have to admit when uh, when I feel like I have not lived up to my promise or potential, which, you know, God knows that's the story of our lives. I, <laughs> I, mean, really, I mean, really mean, yeah, so I could spend the whole show doing that state again. of being for, Admittedly, for you and for me. But I'm going to say this. I watched more sports over the last two days, two and a half days, I guess, since the deep dive. than I have the entire length of this show and I feel less prepared to talk about anything than I did before, because what I was doing before was I was spending all that time researching and seeing what the pundits had to say and, uh, you know, trying to formulate opinions. All weekend, I watched sports and I just sat back and had an adult beverage or so and watched baseball. I watched uh, golf. I watched hockey. I watched the NBA. And honestly, I literally have no opinion on any of it.
1: Well, let's t- start here. If you have no opinion on the sports themselves, yes. What was the opinion of your experience watching that after having, you know, fifteen years of isolation prior to that?
0: All right. Well, here's my here's my here's my uh, thing. Uh, the fact that I said I would accept the Dodgers and the Yankees. Do I despise them both in the World Series? Um. Now seems like that's something we're all going to have to go through. I'm I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that after you know this this short period eight of time games, what, seven games eight, eight games yeah a, a week and a half maybe a week a week of baseball then I I I think those teams are both pretty pretty good. Um, I'm also finding that I'm obsessed with watching the stands during baseball games more than I yeah. am actually the game itself. And then when I first started watching the NHL, and you'll appreciate this as a huge NHL fan, I spent my whole time going, wow, look, they covered all those seats up. They put all that stuff on the seats so they didn't have empty seats. That might be a good idea because the empty seats throw me off. So that was kind of what I walked away from. And uh, uh, and it's weird to watch a Formula One race, which usually has 200,000 people with no fans whatsoever. But that, that was it. And watching the NBA and how they have that virtual fan thing where people are watching next to the courts, the stuff they have over go- going on over there at our former place of employment, um, I re- I, that, that's what I spent all of my time doing and, and enjoying the games. But I don't know that I have any – we have a segment to talk about what we've seen in the NBA and the NHL, and I don't really know what I've seen. I just know I watched and enjoyed
1: games. Kevin, that's the thing that I've t- taken away. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: You see this on the screen. Kevin Finnis Smith Is I am I saying that right? Uh Finnis Smith. Yeah. Yeah, he he sent this picture to our email. He he's the first <laughs> email we've gotten in a while. Thanks for uh, remembering at gmail.com. but that's uh your your boy there sitting in the stands, I know. Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm happy
1: to, I'm happy to see the Giants are hiring uh you know they they've had some live they have live performers they've hired. Their PA announcer, obviously, and uh, wow. their their mascot person, and their PA announcer is a woman of color. I think she's still the only woman PA announcer in Major League Baseball. Cool, I like that.
0: I, I was, in fact, I was uh, one of one of the uh, sad moments over the weekend was uh, having a Zoom thing with a, a little comedy improv group that I do, and one of the members is like, "So, what's it like over there, the uh, wide world of sports for the NBA?" And I went, "I don't have any idea." Like, what do you mean? You're the you're the PA. You're the voice. Yes, you're the voice. No, you're the over. voice of the conference. That's over. That's over. I was the like when you do a progressive and you, you, you want tense to matter, I was the VA voice mm-hmm. over there. I was I announced I announced eighteen years. Right. Not as, I have announced eighteen years. I've announced eighteen yes. years. Now let me ask you guys, because I've admitted I watched I did watch a ton ton of sports uh this weekend. Uh did you watch and what were your, not not your opinions on the teams and the games, but as far as the broadcasts go with NBA, if you watched any NHL, Mark, I know you might not have caught any NHL up to this point, I'm sure Jeff has. What what have your feelings been about the broadcast? Because, that, I mean, that, we've, that's what we've been waiting for, the whole length of the life of this show.
1: Well, in my viewing uh, experience, which is I don't think as much as yours, it wasn't as much of a plethora of sports over the weekend as yours, but I got my fair share in i think of baseball and the nba and uh i i happened to be watching the rangers and the giants and it was carl ravich and rick sutcliffe you saw a little of that and they did a great job and then they had good. bruce Bochi there for an interview like for at least an inning or two it seemed like which was phenomenal and uh the way they handled it was great the way they went back and forth it, it it seemed like it was an old school baseball game yeah and i was not depressed watching it because of the cutouts in the stands <laughs> and it makes such a difference the crowd noise it's piped in everything else it's uh it felt like a it felt like major league baseball and it was it, it was a little out of time little out of space little out of time you know it 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 was a little a little odd, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it tremendously, and yeah. I lo- I love the NBA too because, as we've mentioned, you don't see the crowd that much really in the NBA. You get the close ups. You, you get what's happening on the court.
0: You get the deep one million dollar a game seats on the court with yeah. whatever celebrity that may there may be in that town. So, like in, for the Indiana for for the Lakers, you, know, you see the uh, uh, or the Clippers, you're seeing Hollywood people. For the Indiana Pacers, you see the guy who won the. Best milkman in Indiana award at some point.
1: I don't. I and don't know so I noticed a couple things about the NBA. I I first noticed that uh, the the Laker talk, the incessant Laker talk, uh, has not abated. That it's all about game one, and they beat the Clippers, and then when they lose to Toronto over the weekend, it's like, oh, they didn't show up. My gosh, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, the Lakers have a five and a half game lead with six to play. <laughs> you know, in the Western Conference, it's it's hilarious. Yeah, they're done uh, about that. And then I also noticed uh, the the folks that chose to stand uh, in the midst of most people. You know, the vast majority of, of players and coaches. Uh, kneeling during the national anthem, and um, one of the Magic players did that, and that was noteworthy. But uh, what I thought was pretty noteworthy was Greg Popovich, and yes. uh, and the fact that his players said, "Yeah, no, no biggie," because everyone knows where he stands. Right? No pun <laughs> intended. All puns pun. intended. Yeah, I, exactly.
2: I, I, so I I thought about this because Greg Popovich is very very social justice minded. I yep. thought yep. what what would drive Greg Popovich to make that choice and I don't think he can kneel. <laughs> I I honestly think that's why he didn't kneel. I don't think he it can. It is a possibility. But can I, mean, I say this about that female you know they
1: have the I think the only uh female assistant coach in the NBA the San Antonio Spurs do and I think she stood along with him and maybe it was to show solidarity with people who have bad knees.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, but I want to say this about I want to say this about uh, uh, of that whole thing is that I'm actually uh, uh and I know there, there are discussions cuz like Formula 1 which you guys don't watch there are drivers who are kneeling and drivers are standing and people are talking about uh you know oh they're not showing solidarity and everything. I kind of uh, I come down someplace on this where I don't think anybody thinks I would, given the fact that I'm a ultra left wing commie pinko freedom hater um, is that I think the best possible scenario is that the guys get to do what they want and it's not a big deal either way. If you want to do that for whatever reason, then, then excellent. And that the guys who are standing are not, not in solidarity with them. That's just something they don't choose to do. Um, yeah, I, and I'm kind. Of, I'm really okay with all.
1: I agree. Government. I agree, John. One hundred percent. They're not getting vilified if they're standing. They're not getting vilified if they're kneeling. Because it it's, doesn't
0: mean anything if you're if you're ordered to do it. And that, that's why it's like standing for the national anthem means nothing unless it's what you want to do. And while I am completely for government control of practically every moment of our lives, this is one of those times that I'm just not.
1: No, I enjoy it. I, I enjoyed the reaction of the players to uh, to the, the, the Magic um, player and to Popovich and to his assistant coach, and I think that all of that stuff is, to your point, John, when it becomes something that's non-controversial, when it becomes something you just do right. because you feel strongly this way or you don't feel strongly that way, and people are fine with the whole thing, Right. And don't politicize the damn thing and and get all up in arms. Then, yeah, we've made some progress, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I
0: think it's good. Jeff, I want to ask you this because I'm watching the NHL. The one thing I think they're doing better than anyone is the crowd noise thing.
2: They, they're doing who, a they're doing a great job of it. Whoever is
0: working the boards for their for their games, it, it in. And I know in baseball, you know, it's there's just sort of that dull roar underneath until something happens and everything. But that, the NHL really sounds like there's a full house.
2: So here's the thing. I watched the Nationals broadcast because I'm a Nationals fan, and their guy is doing just as good a job as okay. the NHL guy. So I think it's stadium to stadium. Sure. But whoever's running the NHL sound in both uh, arenas, they're both doing a fantastic job. And my, my thoughts on what well, I've watched all three of the major sports that are going on right now and uh baseball no crowd doesn't bother me at all hockey i actually prefer no crowd because you can <laughs> see the puck better without all of that mishmash behind the glass that's a good point point. and basketball this is the one that i really feel like they need a crowd i feel like the energy of basketball is much yeah. more controlled by the feeling in the arena
0: yeah, I think I think that's. I would agree with that from what from what I've watched because you boy you get those swings in basketball, you know, and everybody you know the the NBA everybody makes a run if a team's up twenty and the other team's going to make a twelve nothing right just and that really yeah that build they really haven't found uh found that whoever's uh, running audio over there Jeff should be you. Uh, they, uh, they, they haven't found that yet. And I don't necessarily know that that's their fault. And I don't know that the NHL got together and said, let's do this. But I just noticed watching those games that it felt much, you know, you felt the false energy in the arena.
2: They're, they're utilizing people. I'm certain that are used to working in arenas where I feel like, uh, the NBA brought in a broadcast crew. They're not Possibly, they're, yeah. they're not necessarily paying attention to the feel of the uh, inside of the arena as much as they are the feel of their cameras and their microphones. So I think it's just different. Uh, it, it's it's something that got overlooked when they were when they were thinking about it, where a guy who runs the audio and arena be like, hey, man, I can I, I know what these crowds sound like. Right. I know what to expect and when to expect it. And, and they're doing a fantastic job.
1: And this is the other thing, and I haven't watched any hockey, and I want to know if it's the same same problem in hockey uh, as a, not a problem. I don't mean to categorize it as that, but it there's very there's very little defense going on in the NBA because people don't want to get in people's faces, That's, and you look at these scores and they are bloated. Yeah. And I don't know if the same thing's happening in hockey
2: or not. Not at all. They are playing some serious defense. As a matter of fact, one of the big stars of the, of hockey and the Winnipeg Jets is. Uh, seemingly out for the rest of the playoffs already from a uh, from a hit that potentially ended his career Eek. they're hitting hard it's fun to watch
1: well i know now hitting hard though right is it is different than playing good defense
2: no correct no 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 No. the best defense is uh knocking guys on their ass in hockey
0: It certainly helps. I mean, there are guys who are not like big enforcer type, knock guys down, who are good defenders simply because they can just—they're such great skaters and they can stay with you and just you know, just gum up the works. Stick
2: stick handling and skating is is big, but uh, you if you're if you're laying hits on guys, if you look if you look at low scoring games, look at the hits column, lots of hits.
0: Well, you just keep people. and It makes sense because you keep people out of the play. Yeah, guys. On his ass on the ice, he's not in the play, essentially. Right, right. So that's, that's helpful. It's just been fun. I, I will say, I have, to, I have to admit, I've watched more sports over the last two days than I probably did in the last two years So
1: college football. So let me ask this uh, as a button to this conversation yeah. uh, in terms of your questions, John, and to Jeff as well. What has surprised you then most about any of the sports you've watched, about any of the teams performing or not performing? Underperforming, overperforming. We've talked about our teams, John, that have eight games in or you know, above five hundred or at five hundred, which is, you know, a miracle. But outside of that, outside of those surprises, is there anything else that's kind of got your head tilting, just like you just like you did right now on on, on YouTube, in case you're just listening, folks. <laughs> I'm you so opposed like, to this. You look a... like a cocker spaniel yeah. just then. Cocking I, well, your head.
0: It's a great question and I I don't know that there's anything that's terribly surprised me. I think in in baseball the the pitching has been uh, mediocre essentially from what I've seen. I just I don't it doesn't seem to me the games that I've watched that the pitchers and I, I think this is something we expected though. Uh they're not going very deep. It seems like, you know, what you're watching really is at this point and I've enjoyed it 100%. I this is to take nothing away from the enjoyment, but it's like watching some Mid to late spring training games, the amount of time that the starters are staying in and what you're what you're seeing from the starters. That's that's my biggest takeaway. uh, That's my biggest takeaway from that. And, Mark, you actually uh, stole mine with the with the uh, lack of defense in the NBA. But I think the players just turned around and went, oh, it's these these first few are regular season. All right. We're not going to blame any defense.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's it's a giant warm up. And, uh, you know, everything's been settled, essentially, in the East, as far as I know. Um, I think, you know, your your Wizards are on the outside looking in, but... They're not my. They're the Bullets. They're not... That's they're a name change I'll never off. get behind. I think they have to win the rest of their games while Brooklyn and Orlando lose the rest of their games yeah. for them to get in. Uh, but the West is, is wild. The West is wild in terms of the 6, 7, and 8 uh, slots out there, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting, the Giants, you said this, and it is so funny. The Giants literally, the San Francisco Giants are the first uh, Major League baseball team in history to, field, uh, to not field any starter who goes at least five innings in their first nine games of the season. Yeah, and and that kind of thing is what's happening all over Major League Baseball. Yeah. Although although Gabe Kapler is you know accelerating that. Yeah. And um, but that's pretty fun. I mean, it's amazing. I look at this. I look at the box scores, and it's amazing that no one gets to the fifth inning for crying out loud. No, it's, it's nuts.
0: It, it's I have to say, managers are earning their paycheck this year. We talked about you know the people running the sports, but they really are with 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 handling pitchers.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun.
0: Jeff,
2: Gabe I Kapler, Gabe Kapler is a better troll than he is a coach all day long. <laughs> he he I swear he sits at his in his office and says, what can I do this season that will really annoy people? Although the the <laughs> Ray, a, the Rays did that bullpen starter thing, too. And uh, but they they needed to. I don't feel yeah. like San Francisco is in a position where they necessarily need to run guys out there for two innings as a starter. But uh, by the but not a ton has surprised me sports wise. Uh, what you know, what really surprised me was the fact that baseball uh, went so heavy on the social justice on the opening days the two days of, of opening and then it almost disappeared from, from the broadcasts. It's uh, that really surprised me that it went so heavy in the beginning. And then, then the, it was gone. It was as, as far as what I've seen.
1: It, it, to, to John's point, it's no longer a thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no longer, a, it's no longer a, a thing to get worried about if you do it. And it's no longer front and center in terms of, uh in terms of, protesting, or at least it's not a cause celeb anymore.
2: I mean, I mean the, uh, the, from the broadcast perspective, uh, I watched the Yankees and the nationals and, uh, they had BLM behind the mound. They had it Mm -hmm. behind the catcher. They had it in the outfield. They had all kinds of stuff going on. And then I watched the next game and it was poof gone.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, and some players have said this, and particularly players in the NBA that I've heard saying about, you know, the, uh, these sort of things, the black lives matter, uh, uh, stuff on the court and in in the stadiums to your point um jeff and uh the standing or kneeling that those things were all important and those were we needed to be done but now we're moving on to a phase where it's like let's take care of these problems let's not make it all artifice and that's not saying that, that 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 those things aren't valid to do and that those aren't things that are important for people to do but now we move into the next phase where it's like all right what do we do to solve these problems as opposed to just having the uh the window dressing of we're all going to do this or we're all going to do that. Anyway, we've gone over time in this segment, uh, but uh, it, it, it has been interesting watching and it is uh, the other thing that uh, I noticed uh, just very quickly. And I know you wanted to button it, uh, Mark, but uh, in watching golf, the one interesting thing is that if you have a couple of players and it happened yesterday in a tournament who are very, very close uh, within a stroke or so of each other in the last couple of holes, Whoever is uh, is uh, the the last one to play, if they're not in a group together and it's a group behind, they're not hearing the crowd respond to things that are happening, and the scoreboards aren't visible for all over the place. And having interviewed a lot of golfers, they will tell you that if you know if you're getting ready to shoot and somebody's on the next hole and you hear like a large uh, uh, response to something you might have your caddy glance and let you know what's going on because it may mean I'm going to play this hole more aggressively or I'm not. And that's not going on. And you kind of saw that in the tournament yesterday where guys were a little bit unsure what they what had happened? to do.
1: What happened up ahead? What happened up ahead? I can't, yeah. I, can't, yeah. you can't I can't hear can't it. You know, it like
0: one cameraman. Wait, I think I hear something. I think I hear right. something. Something must be going on. What's the score? So that was that was very interesting. All right, we're over time, and we're, we're going to talk about some of this stuff in the body of the show anyway. So let's get to our progressive trivia of the day. We're doing baseball because, let's be honest, folks, these are the easiest ones to write. All right, looking for a Major League Baseball player, past or present. I've spent 10-plus seasons in Major League Baseball. My career numbers... 1,800-plus hits, 280-plus home runs, and a three oh six batting average. I've hit over 35 home runs twice. I've had 100-plus RBI three times, and I finished second for Rookie of the Year. So there you go. There is our first progressive trivia of a set of clues. Uh, so let us know what you think. You Both of you know it now, so that part's no fun anymore. We can't have Jeff, like, beating us on all these getting in after the first clue beating us senseless. Oh, by the yes, way, absolutely. Beating all right, let's- senseless. Let's jump back to Major League Baseball and uh, the less enjoyable things to talk about. And that their uh very you obvious. The angel
1: start the three and seven angel start led by the best manager in Major League Baseball. Is that is that the unpleasantness you, you want to talk about right now, John?
0: No, I want to talk about his former team having dropped five straight, even though they were a favorite uh, to uh, to maybe perhaps make some noise in the postseason. Not, so going well.
1: not only is he not a good manager now, he left the cupboard empty uh, in the, his previous location. Well, he's not no sure Gabe Kapler, I'll admit no, that. He's no but. Bruce Bochy. He's no Bruce Bochy. <laughs> oh, my God, this is
0: going to go on forever. But but it, but in all seriousness, the virus issues are starting to uh, are, are piling up a little for uh, for Major League Baseball. With uh, they, I believe there have been now uh, 2014 games that have been 12 games, 2014 games that have been uh, uh, that we've lost to the uh, to the virus. Uh, and then, you know, some individual players opting out, Yohannes uh, Cespedes, and frankly, don't sign him. I'm sorry. Uh, If if you want to opt out, just, just call your team, have your agent call your team before your report time that day to just simply not show up and then disappear. And your agent calls a little bit later. Uh, Listen, I I have no problem with you being disrespectful to management in any way, shape or form. I understand that those are contentious, but, uh, that's, that's screwing your teammates. And there's just no excuse for that. Let's get that out of the way. Um, but I want to ask and Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, What is your level of um, uh, optimism that Major League Baseball
1: finishes their season? It's a great question. Um, I'm a relatively... A uh, naturally optimistic guy, I think as a rule. oddly with no,
0: for no possible. Well,
1: that's well, not that's true. Why.
0: It's yeah. Cause you, we, we, you, both you and I, we should be cause we've done absolutely nothing to further our careers. And, uh, well, wait a minute. We have no careers now, so we should be realists, but I'm, but I haven't been a
1: realist. That's the thing. I've right. always been Durka Durka.
0: <laughs> Durka Durka. I'm going to make it
1: <laughs> 60 years old. I can still do it. Um, no, I think, uh, so I'm relatively optimistic. So there's a part of me, obviously, that is really hoping they can, uh, be facile and agile, like we've talked about, to, to figure things out, to figure the, the seven inning doubleheader makeup games is a fun idea, for instance. And, uh, there was a, you know, something floated out there over the weekend about some teams may finish with 58 games. Other teams with 60 will go with winning percentage, that kind of thing. So I trust that Major League Baseball is going to do their best. At least Manfred. Is going to try and do his best as a leader, and he's going to try and do his best to tell Tony Clark to get his acts together. Because I'm back on the Tony Clark. I am. I am. Yeah. Back
0: but why? Why are you act. blaming Tony Clark for any of this? Because are you? Are, are you with Manfred on that? This is all about the players. Uh, no, but there's an element the to
1: That there's. Yeah, there is. Sure. That and there's an element to that every everywhere in the NBA. Uh, who is the player that's uh, accused of breaking out of the bubble and going to Atlanta to, to get wings? The stri- Yeah. To get- because apparently there's some gentlemen's club
0: in Atlanta that the wings are just right. you know, we should right. do a remote. We should do a remote Afr from there. Hey, you should go to the ESPN club. They have got great wings.
2: You you say that, but there's the most famous uh, gentlemen's club here in Orlando is known for their steaks. I mean that steakhouse and that uh, gentlemen's club I hear is fantastic. Right. Right. People say <laughs> right, uh, but my
1: overall percentage I would give it about. You know, probably about 65% making it through right now. It's going down pretty rapidly. Jeff. It's still above 50%. It's still well above 50%. 65-35 is still a, right. a landslide. It's a land yes, <laughs> uh, but... It's going down, however. You know, 75% a week ago, probably 85% maybe a week ago. Yeah.
2: I think Manfred is going to try to continue the season through thick and thin, no matter what happens. I think he's going to do his best to continue the season. What I think now is going to make or break it is the players. If the players start getting together and saying, listen, this is. it's, it's not healthy for us to be off and on and off and on, you know, the nationals just lost a three game series against the, the Marlins. And now, now their pitchers are expected to come in and and start again. It's, it's like taking a bit, these bit, it's like an all-star break every once a month. So I think if the players come in and say, listen, we can't, we can't play like this. We can't play under these circumstances and they start opting out, it'll give them no choice but to uh, rethink the season.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's all um I don't think it's all player behavior either. I just think, you know, the the uh the reality of all of this is that it is difficult to stay safe from this thing. And unfortunately, no matter how hard you try if you are playing a team sport, You are coming in contact with other people.
2: See, I I honestly, I disagree with that. I think it is going to come down more to their feeling about the off and on and off and on of the schedule more than the actual virus itself.
0: Well, but the, but the thing is, uh, and, 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 I will, and I will respectfully disagree and say that the, the virus is the reason for the off and on and off I, and on. Agree and, what I'm, there. And, what I'm, and what I'm saying is that, you know, Manfred got a, uh, he, a lot of heat from the players because he basically said it, it's all on them and their behavior. And I think that's where he's wrong. I do agree with you, though, Jeff. I think what it is going to come down to, though, is because Manfred, to your point, because I believe he feels that his job is in the balance. And I think he might be right about that. Um, is that he will, come hell or high water, try to get through the season. But I think it's going to come down to not players who refuse to not break protocol, but players who are, you know, taking part in the protocol as best as they possibly can, who are having these, you know, to your point, an all star break every five to nine days. um, And that they're going to say enough is enough. So that that would be mine, too. I may not be quite as optimistic as you, Mark. Sixty five, maybe a little much for me. I think I'm more at the fifty five to sixty percent and it has dropped a little bit. But uh, I, I think that's where that's where it sits right now, and I think the next really four to five days are going to spell. I think if Major League Baseball does shut down, um, I think they'll do it by uh, before this weekend, by Friday of
1: this week. Now you you tend to you are sounding like you don't think it's per, the preponderance of the problem falls on the players. I, I don't say all of it. I I'd say, I would say just of- by definition you would have to assume unless there's a lot of evidence to the contrary that players are breaking protocol.
2: I it- I feel strongly that it's more these huge staffs that baseball teams have. You look in these stadiums, and there are people in those stands running around. They've got the staff around. I wonder if it's not guys that are less – the players are going to practice in the morning. They're going to bed at night. I wonder if it's not the PR guy going out and having lunch with the PR guy from the other team and bringing it back in. I think that could be a bigger thing because these, these teams have huge staffs. They're traveling with them. And they could potentially be the problem that needs to be solved as opposed to the players. I think the players are going to take it seriously.
0: And I think the players, Mark, to your point, I, I, don't, I, I would I would disagree that the players are the preponderance of, of the problem. I mean, I think there is obviously that. And with the Marlins, and we talked about what we, why we thought there, there had, they have admitted that those Marlins players, that there are guys who broke protocol.
1: And, and, and that's that. ground zero of, of yeah. this outbreak in it is. Major League Baseball.
0: It is. It, well, that we think, because we, we don't know to, to, to the point with the other people outside a, a, uh, outside of the players on the field and the fact that even within the protocols, there's always an, op, you know, it's just, it's a virus. That's the way it works. But I do think that the players are going to, the, the responsibility for canceling the season is going to come down to the players. It's going to be, it, 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 if they either cannot follow the protocol, and I agree with Jeff, it seems as though most, most guys are really, really attempting to do that, uh, or because it is virtually impossible to stop this, um, or seems that way, that players will more players are just going to opt out and eventually just say, Look, we're, we, this is not workable for us. So that's, that's where I feel. I'm not going to just point my finger and say this is all because players broke the protocol. No,
1: that's not what I'm suggesting. And that's not what I have suggested. It's like, I think there is a preponderance of that. Certainly with Miami, maybe not as much with St. Louis, because I think of those four positive tests. I think only one was a player to Jeff's point. Mm. But, uh, I think that, y- you know, you, you have, you, you have to control what you can control. Yeah. And Tony Clark can control the players. And if he can control in the theory. players in, in theory, <laughs> and if the players are doing what they're supposed to do, you know, now this is c- coming out of, you know, South Florida essentially and Missouri. So, you know, there's that as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's an element sure. to that. You yeah. know, it's not at the moment, it's not happening in California. Or in, or in, you know, I know New York's had had to deal with it, but they, it hasn't come from New York. Yeah. But at any rate, I think if you control the players, and if you can show that your players are are behaving,
2: I'd like to take your time, to time Jeff's out here. Point,
1: then you can isolate it to the to the staff, and then and then that's more on Manfred.
2: The conservative strongholds of Miami and St. Louis—is that what you were making reference to? <laughs> well,
1: it's the. Well, we're purple state now, but it's the state. Missouri, it's everybody. the state itself. It's the yeah. state, even though Miami is not, you know, it's the state. And uh, if if you're if you if it's OK to run around Miami, which is the hotbed of the planet without a mask because the governor says it's fine, then, you know, well, and same with Missouri. It's
0: also it's also a lot harder if you're uh, a millionaire in South Florida uh, who feels great not to not to want to go out. <laughs> south beach than it is maybe if you're playing in uh cleveland uh yeah probably a lot, a lot easier to stay home a lot, lot lot easier because yeah. i don't think saint pat's at the flats a great bar in cleveland is open any longer that, do, that's how i feel
2: uh do you think that uh they need to start checking temperatures at gentlemen's clubs before they let them in do you think they are checking temperatures at gentlemen's clubs before they let people in
0: I I would think they would be. I mean, I it well it's obviously going to depend on the states. Yeah, uh, but I, I would think that I don't, um, I don't know about that though, John. The gentlemen's clubs, I mean, don't,
1: don't,
2: don't do clubs in Missouri or in St. Louis are actually in Illinois, so they're going to have to get together state to state to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe 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 it, it may right. come down to Tony Clark saying to, to your point Mark to saying to guys, look, Gentlemen's clubs are not safe. they they're, we cannot provide you, you know, going to a restaurant that social distancing is one thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you took a blacklight into a gentleman's club, God only knows what, uh, Seriously. what it would show. So, why uh,
1: anyone at this point would,
0: would go <laughs> into a place like that. Well, oddly, is beyond me.
2: oddly, you don't have to take a blacklight into a gentleman's club. They <laughs> have them blood, already.
1: That's true. That's a, that's a really good point. You that's know, it's really interesting. Point. If you look at what the NFL's done, we talk about them being a day late and a dollar short, but they've, you know, they've caught up pretty quickly and, uh, they have told the players, <clears throat> that these, this is what it means to follow our protocol. They've gotten very specific. If you go to a bar with more than 15 people there, you've broken protocol. Right. Regardless. And if you, you know, so so they've listed it out pretty specifically, and if that happens, your contract is void. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, yeah. And phenomenal. I think
2: I,
0: I think they had the they benefited from the fact of waiting to see what was happening with other uh, with other leagues. But yeah, no, that's a that's a really really good point. I I'm I'm of my, again I'm still over fifty percent that baseball finishes, but uh, but I'm thinking that the bubble sports yeah, have a in, really, better, really 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 good chance, and that the non bubble sports are you know. It, it it is a crapshoot at some point um uh, so we'll
1: see we'll see what happens let's uh, yep. let's jump back and do our second no did you have did you want to finish that up on mark something i else? just want to know do you think one of the options that major league baseball will have if it's faced with shutting down the season is making it a bubble, having two, you know, doing the hockey thing, having a East coast and a West coast bubble. I I don't know that I don't think it's 30 games. It's like deal with it, players. I
0: don't know about that, but I do certainly think there is a possibility if we get down to the playoffs and that, uh, and, and that we're having outbreaks and that, and that there are issues that they could possibly look at. I don't think it'll happen, but I think the possibility of looking at playing the, uh, the playoffs as a tournament in a couple of sites is is a possibility i would hope they would be at least considering that possibility jeff you don't, you don't agree
2: I, I i think it's too late i think they would have to i just look at toronto trying to find a place to play they, they right. found it impossible to make that happen where two teams are playing in the same place at once i just don't think it's i don't think it's feasible to make a plan at this point without stopping everything making a plan and then restarting. So I think they're going to I don't have think it to, is for the
0: regular season, but I think for the playoffs you could actually put a tournament together. I I agree. I agree.
2: And it's going to and it's going to shrink the 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 teams in it and the places they're playing anyway in the playoffs. So that's going to be a yeah. good thing.
1: Barely I don't think they- <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I mean, it's more than half the teams are going to qualify for the playoffs. It's oh, It'll be great.
0: You know, I would actually that that might have been you know, I, I know that because they, they held out hope that you know, we could get a 25 percent of the stadiums full and everything. But if they have like the uh, same site or, you know, in a National League and an American League site, and uh, and they go at it as a tournament that way. I, I think I think that could that could be a lot of fun. Let's just hope that they can get to that point. All right, let's do our next set of uh, progressive true uh, progressive trivia clues. Uh, we will remind you of the f- first clues. Certainly, ten plus seasons in Major League Baseball, career numbers eighteen hundred plus hits, two hundred eighty plus home runs, and a three oh six batting average. Hit over thirty five home runs twice. 100 plus RBI three times and finished second for rookie of the year. Next set of clues. I've led the National League in on base percentage seven times. I've won both the Lou Gehrig and Hank Aaron awards. I'm a seven time All Star, and I've never won a World
1: Series never won a world series so there are your clues wow. for on base percentage leader seven times that is a significant yeah. clue
0: yeah 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 it, it really is it really is all right let's jump to college football uh for just a moment and talk about that a little bit because there are some interesting things that have gone on since we've talked about sports because we'll go back to prior to the deep dive we really haven't uh had a chance to dive into this stuff up to this point but um ACC, SEC have both announced that they're playing, I believe, 10-game seasons, uh, all conference games. For some reason, the ACC is going to allow Notre Dame as a part of that. I am completely and utterly 100% against that. I will say right here, I think it is unfair to the rest of the teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and it makes a mockery of the championship of the Atlantic Coast Conference at this point in time. I fight it 100%. Can you say
1: say that one more time? Say that What What are you opposed to? One more time.
0: I'm opposed to Notre Dame being able to play for the ACC championship. Mm. Because they are not in the ACC in football. And to just add them in is just ridiculous
1: and stupid in my mind. Because why? Because they're
0: not a member of the ACC.
1: But if the ACC decides to bring them in this year, then then they are at least. But they're not bringing
0: them in beyond this year. They're saying, oh, they can compete for it this year. So the right. SEC shuts down, and so then the Big 12, which there are only like two teams anyway, uh, the Big 12 says, uh, oh, gosh, Alabama, do you want to come play here for a year? And Alabama can win the 2020 uh, Big 12 championship. It makes a mockery of it. It's,
1: it's, that it's would, nonsensical. That would make a mockery of <laughs> yes, it. Yes. yes. But this, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an independent school coming in and joining the ACC for one Same season.
2: thing. I, I it's the, the same ACC. thing. What it's really, not the same thing. What really gets me is that there are four Forcing them to call it the ACCAND and this year. I, that's that. I I don't know how they got that in the contract. Uh, it drives me nuts.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Mark. I, I just, I know it's. I, I know I don't like Notre Dame, even though I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I know you're a Notre Dame fan, but I think it is unfair to the other teams and other players in the Atlantic Coast Conference to add in a team that is not a part of that conference for them to be able to win a championship. I just think so it's. It's wh- why idiotic. is that? Why
1: is it unfair to the other teams?
0: Because you, this is your conference. These are the teams that you play against. And so you prepare to play those teams and to win a conference. If you're in the ACC, you know, you've got Maryland, Wake Forest. Bringing another team in that's an independent is, is – it, it, it just – why would you do that? They're they
1: not a member of your conference. Well, they, they've done it. So there's obviously reasons that they think uh, are are vital Yeah, and because the their conference. television money.
0: ratings will be up.
1: What's and that? Money. Yeah, follow the money. Well, again, if that's what's if that's what their decision is, yeah, and they think that's in the best interest of the conference and the best interest for the schools who will, oh, by the way, share in that money, then I that mean, is I'm, I'm their
0: not, decision. And what I'm saying is, as the co-host of this this podcast, is that I do not believe that that is a good decision.
1: I understand, and I'm just trying to get to the bottom of why you think that, outside of the fact that you hate Notre Dame.
0: No, I would and say I haven't that for really anybody. gotten to any. If they brought Army or Navy, in, it wouldn't matter to me. Those are not members of that conference. I would have no problem with it if they finally said to Notre Dame, guess what? You're going to play in the ACC in basketball and other sports. You're going to do it in football. Either that or sit at home and play Central Michigan 11 right. times see, this year. See, that's what it is.
1: That's what it is. It's, it's a bias against Notre Dame. So, but it, it would be that way against anything. anybody. It would be that way against anybody for me. Well, well, my point is, is that what are they doing? In other words, how many games are they playing against the ACC this year? Do you know their schedule?
0: Well, I, the, the ACC says they're playing only conference games. So I'm assuming they're playing 10 games against other ACC opponents.
1: Well, we should check that out. We should get to the bottom of it. And if the they don't, role. and
0: you're only playing conference games, how do you let a team that is not that is playing non-conference games play for the title mix, or win the title? Because I don't know if they have a championship game. It's it just... it's. It's even worse if they're not if they're playing outside of the ACC.
1: Well, I will say this that if they're the only independent team that they're doing this for, out of all the independent teams out there including Air Force um that that are sort of stuck because they don't have the Power 5 to compete against, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I aggr- I agree that it's just one more example of favoritism towards Notre Dame and and again, and I agree that it all, you know, once again it's about you know, how do we make as much money as possible? But I have, you know, if that's the motivation you have a problem with, is they're making money, but you have no problem with the, you know, Bell Helicopter military industrial complex bowl, you know, between Tulane and Louisiana what, Tech. What difference,
0: how is that even how is that even involved? in a naked in the money
2: grab.
1: It's a naked money grab.
0: And yeah, if that's the problem teams, with this it's two teams playing each other in a bowl game. It's but, not giving a conference championship to a team that is not a member of the conference.
2: I, I like it. I, I like they're bringing in another team that is competitive but into the for ACC. One year. Yeah, and, and that we'll get to see a good game. If they're playing the conference schedule inside the ACC, that means you're going to get to see a lot of good Notre Dame games this year. Yeah.
1: They'd never do it well, for anybody. Well, really? I mean, I think the yeah. ACC is a pretty bad conference, frankly. Yeah. And, and the, I would say Notre Dame is going to have an easier schedule than they've had in the past as a result of this. And I know it's one-off, and I know you hate it, but if they compete and they win and they beat these teams, well, then they've beaten these teams. And, they're not know, in the I conference. I don't put a lot Not of a I, don't, I don't care about conference championships I know you I know about. you care more about conference championships because you're well, a no,
0: I just think that you you're it's a it, it, it you you dilute what a conference championship is if you start bringing in teams uh, from the outside to play in that conference, and I just don't see that there's any reason for it. It's, you, have teams it's one... up, you have teams giving up traditional rivalry games which make a crap
1: load of money for them. What games are they give? What traditional rivalry games they're given up? I think they're given up playing against you know again Louisiana Tech school for no non-fibes. no no no
0: no 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 no. I know you love to do that and it, and, it, and it's all fine and dandy, but it's like Georgia Tech is not playing Georgia this year because of that. Um, you know, it, you go to the SEC. Florida's not playing Florida, Florida State, the ACC team, not playing Florida, and all that. I and mean, now you have to throw Notre Dame in the mix for no apparent reason other than you know that, that's that's the way. I, it's I just not, it's,
1: it's not because of Notre Dame that Georgia's not playing Georgia Tech or Florida's not playing Florida State. That's but because if you the can't play you, of the conferences that they're not going to play anything out of conference. Y-
0: but they are playing out of conference. No, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame is, in not the conference in, is not for football. Okay. All right. We're, we're never going to agree on this. We are never going to agree on this. My, it makes, I will say nonsensical. That, yes. Notre Dame can take the hit for being an independent this year. Like other independents are going to have to. Yes,
1: it is unfair for the other under- independents. I agree with that. And I also agree that we'll never agree on this overall point, but I will say this, John, is that, Traditional rivalries, the point you made is, is dead wrong. That traditional rivalries can't happen because of this Notre Dame decision. That's, that's a dead wrong allegation. Would you agree with that? No. It's They're happening because of independent decisions made prior to this, which is that we're not going to play out-of-conference schedules. You, they are playing an out-of-conference schedule if they have Notre
0: Dame on their schedule. They're playing an out-of-conference team. Notre Dame is in the conference. Play, you have said you can't play that the game against your out-of-conference rival right. because— uh, you're only playing conference games. Oh, by the right. way, we're going to add this team into the
1: conference.
2: Well, they're playing conference games. The, so, so Notre Dame played four ACC teams on their schedule last year, and right. none of them were Clemson, and none of them were Miami, and none of them were Florida State.
0: Right. Right. And I'm not going to listen I'm not right. going to pick on Notre Dame because we can go back and look at Notre Dame's schedule and they will play uh they will play tough games on the road. They'll they'll do some of that. Every now and again they have a a, a Patsy schedule and everybody picks on them because they play, you know, Navy every year and everything. And I don't really have they, a problem with that because those played, are traditional.
2: They played Navy last season and Navy was ranked uh 23rd in the nation when yeah. they played them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and here's the other thing about uh, for, for Notre Dame and of schools out of conference schedules is that those are scheduled years in advance. So you you have no way of knowing, you know, there were teams that scheduled USC when USC was a powerhouse and they had no way of knowing that that was going to drop off the table. So we are never going to agree on this. So I would like to move on to another subject about college football. And that is the Pac-12 players that have come out and said that they are uncomfortable with the protocols. They don't believe that uh, that the NCAA and I completely agree with them that their that their guiding principle is safety of players and say that they're not going to play. Mark, I assume you come down on the labor side of this battle.
1: I do, but I don't want them to overplay their hand and asking for all of the other uh, goodies that they want in this agreement. With uh, the well, Pac-Man. I think
0: that's don't you think that's a first? Don't you think that? I mean, that's how you go about uh, uh, a negotiation. You throw everything up there. Yeah. And I think, I, and I think what they're doing is they're looking at a point where maybe right now we have a little bit of leverage. We're not going to get all of this, but we are going to move this in a direction where if you can pay a head football coach $7 million a year, um, th- there's probably, there's a little money in, in, in the pot to help out the players.
1: Uh, I as well. don't disagree with any of that. And I think if that's their, if that's their overarching strategic strategy for throwing out, throwing out the kitchen sink along with, uh, enhanced safety measures, then I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I hope that that's what they're going to do. I worry that it's going to get bogged down in the other social justice stuff and they're going to miss the, the big picture really, which is safety in this case the big Possibly. picture is safety. And, uh, uh, but yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you that the NCAA has all the resources, They poss- at least the big schools, the big conferences, have all the resources. Hell, they Notre need. Dame's
0: rich enough to play for a conference title that they're not even the conference,
1: for God's exactly, sake. Exactly. Exactly. Th- as a matter of fact, I think the Pac-12 issue should be all paid for by Notre Dame. I think that would settle everything. I'd If you just send the check to Notre Dame, sure
0: the Catholic Church can, accept, it can uh, afford I it. I think they can handle it. i think they can handle i
2: don't it. know yes, times have
1: been rough <laughs> times <laughs> have been rough the uh collection plate has been pretty dry as of late but uh, a yeah. bit of they have a lot of tort, other things they've been paying for issues yeah a lot of court issues a lot of paying off lawyers and uh <laughs> and victims uh so i i agree with you that that it's good that they're stepping out and they're saying we don't trust you you need to be more specific you need to make these protocols tight as you know as airtight as possible and um, you need to assure us that they'll be followed, and that everyone is going to follow that, and that it's going to be a, you know, a a a, a dictum from on high. I
0: also think it's. I got. To, I have to say, I think it's. It is. It is a very, very bad look for colleges not to bring students back on campus, but to bring athletes back to play football games.
1: Well, I think that's still up in the air, though. Right in terms of how many it is. kids are going to go back. In the fall. In it is, but those, to, uh,
0: to that point. It, I, don't if, think any, any, I don't think UCLA is saying you're not
1: coming back, right?
0: Well, I mean, I think they're giving, I think they're certainly giving people options at some places. But I also think, to your point, I don't think all decisions have been made on that. And I have to be honest, if there is any university that only has online um, classes for uh students or no no one on campus and then they decide to play football games i think that is a really bad look and really just reinforces what we all know about (laughs) ncaa football is that it is it's it's triple a baseball with guys not getting paid yeah and i know they get their education blah 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 blah
1: (laughs) that is the oldest tiredest argument in the book but, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, John. Uh, and uh, it is a horrible look if no one's on campus and they're fielding a football team. That's, you know, to your point, it's just the way it is, though. Yeah, and you follow the in money. college I football, And especially, you know, in the South, we know this. But, you know, college football is, is a billion-dollar industry. Oh, God, yes. Multi-billion-dollar industry. Yep. So, uh, you know. It's easy for us. <laughs> it's easy for us in Orlando, Florida, socially distant in front of our laptop, a, you know, in our, in our, um, you know, our modest lives that we have that are increasingly becoming less modest, uh, to, to criticize it. I mean, a billion dollar industries have to protect themselves, but at the same time, so do the people that are generating the income. For that multi-billion-dollar industry, and if those people who are the only reason they're making any money, this billion-dollar industry, don't feel safe, well, you got to pay attention to them. Your debts are paid because you don't pay the labor. Exactly. That's you know, exactly it. That's yeah. So
0: so guess what? Yeah yeah. You can see here. I, I I can imagine a plantation owner in 1858 going, well, if I have to pay my labor my profits are going to go down the so, going to be the margin
2: is going to be horrible
0: for me oh anyway it's it, it really is going to be interesting to to see because i am i don't know if i'm as optimistic that college football plays as i am that major league baseball continues to play to be quite frank
1: well it'll be really interesting john and jeff uh, about football this year i mean and the nfl could be the harbinger for us Figuring out how to move forward with this thing. You know, if, if they can socially distant fans in the, in the, in the stands and, uh, you know, maybe somehow enforce mask wearing or at least at, to some degree, uh, do that and, and they can get through the season somehow. I don't know how they're going to get through the season. That's my point with, uh, with it being such a contact sport. But if they can, if they can somehow manage the sport itself. And manage fans coming back. That may be a little guidepost to how we yeah. open up the society in the midst of this thing. Right, right.
0: As, as as you know, as we always talk about, every one of these issues we're talking about are still fluid, and they may change. You know, before we get done with the show today, Major League Baseball could fold the tent. There's an or, announcement you, there. We have a breaking, yeah, announcement, breaking right announcement, announcement
1: right now. Announcement. <laughs>
0: Would you how, how surprised would you be?
1: How Rob surprised and Tony would you Clark be? have agreed to uh to get married. How about that? Wow. Well,
0: <laughs> love is love is so love is love is love. We, we, we did we
1: didn't see that coming. By the way, the I heart snuck wants in what the heart wants.
0: I snuck in two one Hamilton reference and a Lin-Manuel Miranda reference. And Jeff didn't pick up on it and run the, run the John Pelkey Hamilton talk thing. So, so I'm getting better at sneaking these things into the show. Um, I, do, I want to go back and I want to, I want to give the next set of clues for the progressive trivia. And I know we're going to move on to another subject, but I do want to talk a little about the NFL when we come back to, if that's all right with you, Mark, because there are some uh, with players opting out and some conspiracy theories that are going yeah. on. I really, really feel like we need to, to get into that, but I would like to get back to our progressive trivia. So let's do our third set of clues for the progressive trivia. Uh, let's revisit our first set of clues looking for major league baseball player, past or present 10 plus seasons in major league baseball career numbers, 1,800-plus hits, uh, uh, 280-plus home runs, and a three oh six batting average. Uh, I've hit over 35 home runs twice in my career and over 100 RBI three times. I finished second for the Rookie of the Year. Here's the big clue we all talked about. Led the National League in on-base percentage seven times. Won both the Lou Gehrig Award and the Hank Aaron Award. I'm a seven-time All-Star. Must have been in those seven OBP years. (laughs) And I've never won a World Series. All right, moving on to our final set of clues. My postseason numbers... 250 batting average no home runs and one rbi by the way that is multiple games i would not have put that in there if it was just a a, one or multiple series i should say i'm not gonna put it in if it's just one i played with scott roland apologies and bronson arroyo uh my entire career i played for one team and i'm a former mvp all right there are the clues and I think this is a, a, a challenging one and a good one. All right. As we said, and we, we've been joking about this for a day and a half or so about um, uh, NFL players who are opting out. And at this point in time, the New England Patriots have had eight players, I believe, opt out of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the most of any team in the NFL at this point. Yeah.
1: With a couple of big names. In yes.
0: The yep. High yep. Tower, yep. one of them. Yep. Now. The conspiracy theory, and you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist generally, but the conspiracy theory is because Bill Belichick plays three-dimensional chess and the rest of the league plays hopscotch. Here is, here is the theory that Bill Belichick is encouraging players who may have a question. He's not telling people what to do, but if anyone has you know, a, a moment's pause for whether or not they want to play, he is encouraging them to not play the reason being is they have a lot of draft picks stocked up you know they always trade they always have like 60 draft picks coming into any draft but what they don't generally have is a high first round pick because they finish you know too too high in the uh, in the standings for that the, the reason that he wants to get rid of all these or does is no issue with these players not playing is that they're going to and i'm doing the air quotes tank on this season because if they finish low enough and get a high enough draft pick they can then package that above, you know, top third of the league draft pick when they're usually in the bottom third with the 167 picks that they also have in the draft so that they can get the overall number 1 pick or overall number 2 depending on how that falls and what the number 1 team might need so that they can pick Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson to be their quarterback uh after uh after cam newton washes out i guess um look i'm not saying that i think this i'm not i'm not saying that i think this is the case but but i wouldn't be surprised your feelings
1: lot to unpack there lot to unpack uh not the least of which is your belief that Trevor Lawrence is going to be an absolute bust.
0: Oh no, it'll be the way it'll destroy the new England Patriots franchise. They, yeah. They'll, 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 they'll be in Albu- They'll be in uh, San Antonio uh, by 2030.
1: You, you, destroy you are the franchise. so confident about that. That's yeah. the first, that's the first thing to unpack. Uh, the other thing to unpack is uh, the signing of cam. Is that just this uh, very, very, uh, you know, futuristic kind of visionary choice so that they can kind of have him locked up. I have so that answer. That, so I have that, that answer. The Trevor Lawrence's of the world will have someone to <clears throat> mentor under, if you will, for a year or two. I have a better answer. Is that why that. they signed him this year? Or was no. It they were, is, was it to just keep him from some other team?
0: No, absolutely not. They signed him because <laughs> they, they thought he could come in and compete for the quarterback and be successful. Um, they got him inexpensively. So it was an inexpensive uh, uh, card to take. <clears throat> Because they have no idea how many players are going to opt out. And they didn't know that before the cam signing. So in the off chance that all players felt like they were going to come back, then then they're, now we're going to have to try to compete at least. And, and I don't think they and won't then, try to compete. But. No, I know. When when it started, to sh- when they started seeing that it was going to be a good number of players, it was going to be the high towers of the world. Now, again, three-dimensional chess. Uh, right. Belichick is putting things in place so that he can play either side of that. If Cam comes in and he's amazing, well, then, okay, maybe maybe we don't need Trevor Lawrence. And let me just say right now, you do not need him. It will destroy the San Antonio Patriots in 2030. That's what I'm telling you right now. Um, but I, I, I think that it is that, that is why the Cam, uh, the Cam signing, which, which you seem to think signals that it's no, 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 no. I think both things can be true.
1: I understand that. And there's some validity to that, I believe. I think the the biggest issue I have with that conspiracy theory is that it is so against everything that Bill Belichick has ever done with that particular team. And that's that's the reaction. You don't have to throw throw your stuff down. Don't don't throw
2: your stuff around because uh, the ACC quarterback is going to be a stud.
1: So, yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence is going to kill it in the NFL. Nope. Nope. But
0: uh I think he's going to play baseball even though he's never played it before. I I he's
1: signed to play baseball. Again, this could be just an example of Bill Belichick's brilliance that he spent 21 years uh you know, 21 years acting one way in terms of how he manages his draft and then turns on a dime because he hasn't had to really worry about a quarterback outside of developing a second stringer along the way. Yeah. And so this is the only, he understands he's a brilliant coach. He understands the value of a great quarterback. He's facile. And he understands that Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, what's going to help keep the new England Patriots where they need to be. And this is a one-off season anyway. With everyone, essentially. People are opting out. People are even the NFL, if they play a full schedule and they do everything sort of the same as any other year, mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same as any other year because you're going to have, you know, 10% of the league out. Yeah. And if not more. So it's a one off year. I I can see that, but I, I just think that it is such a cottage industry these days to talk about New England. And all of the conspiracies around it, it really is. I mean, think of think of the amount of eyeballs and uh, revenue that has been generated because of talk shows being able to talk about conspiracies of the New England Patriots. And yet this is another one. People are just, people are rubbing their hands together, licking their chops. about. You know,
0: but if you think about it though, I I just want to say, I don't think, I don't necessarily believe that the, that the, uh, the idea of it, and, and I'm not saying I think it's the case. I just think it's a fun thing to talk about, frankly, but the, the idea of it really isn't that hugely different from him because they've always compiled lower round draft picks. And they have before packaged those together to to get a higher pick, obviously they haven't gone up to number one and and to your point, they haven't had to worry about the quarterback. they, had, they and, say, and say what you want about them. They got really, really lucky because they didn't, no one in that franchise believed that Tom Brady was going to be tom brady Let, let's let's be honest here um it, but it, if you look at that and it's like we've compiled we have these. Guys, we're, you know we're going to go into the season and we're going to try to compete. But he realizes that that Cam Newton's best years may be behind him. Some of us, and, and both you and I, I think Mark think that he could have a good deal of success. There could be a bounce back at Cam. There could be a really great second act for him. But, but you know, just in case there's not, right? There, there. Let's they're, let's, they're, let's let's set the thing up so that w- we have some choices
1: here. So because this show has been all about percentages and how much you think baseball is going to finish the season how much do you think uh uh you know percentages of uh whether or not college football is going to actually have a season or have a decent season let's do this percentage in this conspiracy theory and you're you're kind of low these days you used to be number one conspiracy theorist on the on the planet now now you're poo pooing all of them
0: i I gave up on the second shooter years ago you still think there's a second shooter in dealey
1: plaza i just have a problem with the pristine nature of the magic bullet all right moving on that's all. And you, you, you failed to explain that to me. It's go, it goes through seats, bodies, bones. Come on. Uh, at any rate, what is the percentage that you think this is true in your mind, in John Pelkey's mind, that, this, that he is actually sort of encouraging or uh, doing everything he can to kind of do this in the hopes at, 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 ha- uh, at having that card to play as well? I you know, think – he,
0: OK, here's what I think. I think 100 percent he wants Cam Newton to start, be successful and for that team to have a a successful season, albeit to your point, Mark, this season's always going to be somewhat of a one off, even if they play 16 games, because it's just just in the way uh, that it's set up. But that he is, I believe that 100 percent, Bill, everything that I've j- just talked about and you've just talked about and 100 things that we haven't thought of, Bill Belichick has thought of. And I think this this puts him in a decent position. Um, so, yes, 100 percent. I believe that the conspiracy theory is
1: 100 wow, percent. All right. Well, so Because the, I just think he thinks of everything. So then the follow up question. Yes. Is what ev- evidence do you have to make you convinced you are convinced that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust? Yeah, he what's just the, body type. The evidence outside of type. the fact that he believes in the fairy tale in your mind.
0: Uh, body type. Uh, and uh, I'm just I'm just gonna say I don't like the cut of his jib, never have. <laughs> I know. And it's not even that I didn't play. I didn't. I, I pulled for Clemson. Uh, in, in in those games, I thought it was great. It was fun to watch. Just don't like
1: the cut of his jib. And what what is it about? I mean, what is about the cut of his jib that you don't like? I mean, are his hands too small? He just he's like Dan McGuire. Remember that quarterback? I Martin do.
0: McGuire's brother? He's like six eleven, and uh it just. No, I mean, wasn't he like six, seven? I mean, he was just this ridiculously tall. very tall guy, and it's just you know he's Jeff Samarja.
1: That's why I think he ought to be a pitcher. <sighs> but did these you learn guys, these guys did, did not have? I mean, Jeff Samarja had a some success certainly at Notre Dame as a wide receiver. He was, he was drafted in the NFL. I mean, yeah, he, I, or he was he drafted. Had, teams would have drafted him. He had some players. success. He was a yes. pretty good player. On yeah, but a Notre good Dame's team. poorly coached. It was a so, it was a pretty good team. It could have, maybe could have been a better team at the time yeah, if it was better better coach Dan McGuire. I, I believe, I think was it SC or was it San Diego State? It was one of those two. I think maybe San Diego. I don't think he was an SC quarterback. And and you know, not a not a football power. This no, guy is the quarterback. I agree. For Clemson, that has won national, he's won a national championship with and played for another. Come uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. To compare him to Dan McGuire is not would not hold up in court. Jim. Well, I'm not
0: saying he is Dan McGuire. It's just the cut of his jib. He's McGuire-ish.
2: After after you said that, he's more likely to be referred to as Tim Tebow. Didn't Tim Tebow uh, win a championship and play he for another two. one? He won two.
0: He won two NCAA championships. He mm-hmm. wasn't the he starting quarterback his freshman year, uh, but go. he did play in that game. But he won two national championships. Yeah, he, did. he didn't play for any other. He won additional SEC championship, but he didn't play for another um they lost the SEC
1: Yeah, you, you could compare him to Tim Tebow. I
2: I don't. Yeah, okay. I don't think. I don't think that Bill Belichick is worried about getting Trevor Lawrence. I think he'd like to, but I think what he's more likely to do is find uh, another Jimmy G or Jacoby Brissett in the draft, and now have a quarterback that he's more than happy to move on from as soon as that guy's ready to take over the helm.
0: That's possible too. He's thinking of that as well. And he's thinking of seven hundred other things. Yes,
1: some of them point. in Latin. Yes, exactly. Couple in ancient Greek.
0: Circles around everyone. No, I'm times. convinced. By the way, I'm convinced that he's a shapeshifter because that uh, that photo of the dog during uh, if you've seen the photo of during the draft. At one point, they cut to his, and he's like at his kitchen table doing the draft, which I absolutely adore. Uh, and then they cut to it and his dog, he's got some sort of husky dog is sitting in the chair, like looking at the computer. Well, they, they say that was his dog. I don't think it's his dog. He may be one of the undead or he may be a shapeshifter. I'm pretty sure that was actually Bill Belichick who had, who had then uh, switched to uh, his canine persona. Um, because that allows him to move in and out of uh, situations where he can uh, he can listen to what's going on and learn even more.
1: He I, can
2: shapeshift even into inanimate objects.
1: I believe he was the deflated football for a while. <laughs> could it could could very well have been?
2: I think he's biblical. I think he's Samson and the hoodie <laughs> is the hair.
0: Take that hoodie off.
2: It's could over, Johnny. Suit. It, it is over, over, Johnny.
0: All right. There it is. All right, let's let's get the uh, answer to our progressive uh, trivia here. Um, And again, I even like pat myself on the back. This, this is good. I did not realize it would be as good as it was when I started. Uh, Here are your clues folks. 10 plus seasons in major league baseball. My career numbers, 1800 plus hits, 280 plus home runs and a three Oh six batting average. I've hit over 35 home runs twice and over 100 RBI three times finished second for the rookie of the year. I led the National League in on-base percentage seven times, won both the Luke Gehrig and Hank Aaron Awards, a seven-time All-Star, but I've never won a World Series. And perhaps this is why. My postseason numbers, 250 batting average, zero home runs, one RBI. I've played with Scott Rowland, apologies, and Bronson Arroyo. My entire career, I played for one team. That would be the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm a former MVP. The answer is Joey Votto. And Joey Votto is obviously a name that pops up a lot if you're watching baseball. But I have to be honest. Um, Lean the NL and on-base percentage seven times. He, you could have given me 100 guesses, and I never would have guessed Joey Votto.
1: I know. No, I mean, he is, he's the Stan Musial of our time. In the sense that he is just under the radar because he plays for the Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Red and, and I would even say that's not a good example because at least the St. Louis Cardinals with, got the series. Yeah, one one World Warning. Series. Yeah, they did. And uh, the Cincinnati Reds have been atrocious. They really have, and they haven't done anything in the postseason since 1990, and that was a uh, that was a fluke.
0: And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark can
1: never let
0: things go. He just can't let things that was I can't I cannot loop. let that 1990 uh, Cincinnati Reds team that swept the A's. What, what, what annoys you more? The 90 uh Reds or the uh the
1: 88 uh Dodgers? Uh, I would say the 90 Reds because the Dodgers, yes, they were an inferior team to those. They were a
0: mediocre mediocre baseball team with a couple of stars.
1: Yeah, and and, they really carried them. And one of their stars only had one at bat in the World Series, and the other other was a complete stud. And if you have a complete stud as a pitcher, which we'll learn about uh, with the Dodgers-Giants rivalry coming up uh, this Friday, you know, it it can take you a long way. But I, I will tell you that because of the Kirk Gibson home run and the iconic nature of that moment as perhaps I don't I think it's inarguable that it's one of the top 5 all-time World Series moments and I think you can make an argument that it's number 1 even more than uh, even more than Mazeroski or any some of the other ones but uh, because of that I give them credit I tip my hat to that team on some level cuz it's iconic it's they've made the history books yeah. that 1990 Yeah do you remember about 90 and Rob Dibble I mean, what a fraud that guy was. Well, I've robbed Dibble. 1990 was an annoying year for me because that's the year the Giants beat the 49ers in that championship game. I'll never get over that as well. So that was a tough year for me. It all, it
0: all goes back to just one. Whereas Bill Belichick plays three-dimensional chess. <laughs> You play no dimensional chess. It's right. just like or one and the one dimension is how did this affect my team? Yeah, at, at, at any point in time. Otherwise, no, I have no opinion on it. Mark's it's playing ridiculous. connect four. <laughs> I'm sorry, said again, Jeff. Mark,
2: you're playing connect four.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tic Tac Toe, barely, barely. The and you get to go first, it. and you take the center,
1: the center uh, thing of yeah, the Tic Tac Toe. Exactly. You are a bad guy. It, I'm I'm playing Solitaire <laughs> essentially, and it, which how many? You're,
0: you're, can I ask you a question? Yeah, in if if you calculate what you made per hour at the ESPN Club versus how many of those hours were spent playing uh, Solitaire on the computer, how much of Disney's money did you steal? I just uh, I'm a
1: little well it depends on it depends on uh how you define steel <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what the definition of is is Depends on how you define steel, John. Now I should say,
0: because I'm sure there are Disney, Disney. I'm sure they monitor this broadcast and to use it as an excuse to never hire you and I again. But I will say, and I mean, there were those times in the beginning where we would have to get there at like two o'clock, and we yeah. literally didn't do anything until six thirty. So we understood, yeah. we understood
1: that we needed to be paid. That it was really a fee for doing this show, right. and right. the contract finally caught up to that understanding. You know, I don't know how many years later, maybe seven, eight years later. So in the previous seven or eight years, when I, all I was doing was understanding what the future of this contract and this relationship was good for you. I was just ahead of the game. You really were. Uh, if, if, you know, cause again, what else would I be doing? I'd done my progressives. Yeah. I was waiting four more hours to do a show, you know, okay. what else yeah, is there no, to fair do? Enough. I mean, we could fair go enough. on BaseballReference.com, and we spent a lot of time on that as well. But, yeah. um, Hey, listen, I usually played video soccer with Adam
0: Deutsch. I usually played video soccer with Adam Deutsch while you were doing that. So, I mean, you know, thank you, Disney. We took about a million six off your hands.
1: (laughs) You know, all right. You know, whatever whatever it takes. Thank you. Thank you for the largesse at the time.
0: Oh, goodness. All right. You mentioned it, Mark, and we are uh, wrap things up here in a moment, but on Friday it will be the deep dive. Yes, sir. So
1: give everybody a little bit of preview of what we have to look forward to on Friday. Well, it's called Dodgers-Giants, the best and the worst of rivals. And it will talk about some iconic moments between between the two clubs in pennant races that a lot of us already know about. We will talk about other pennant races where the other team played a spoiler to the team trying to compete for a championship, and that has happened more than you would think. Uh, We're also going to talk about individual events and moments in in that history, some of which are very, very ugly. And to Jeff's point is that not only does this rivalry create all-time moments in Major League Baseball and continues to generate a lot of drama when – when the stakes are high for both teams, or even if it's high for one team and the other team's trying to spoil it, uh, and has happened that way for decades now, but that it, it it has gotten very, very ugly off off the field off the baseball diamond, and uh we'll get into that as well the, in other words, it's not just the best and the worst of rivals between each other because they've gotten very ugly on the field as well, mm-hmm. but it's for the sport. Because I would say it's, it's one of the best for baseball, and it's, one, and it's shown to be one of the worst for baseball as well. So we're going we're gonna to explore all of that. It's going to be very even-handed. There's going to be a lot of love for two of the main players, which are Sandy Koufax and Willie Mays, You know, all-timers, who happen yeah. to be playing at the exact same time, yeah. which is so much fun. Can I? Can, and I, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, and I'll look it up afterwards.
0: Um, what were their success rate against each other? It, what, do do we know as far as how well? Because uh, that's something. And in fact, I'm not asking you to look at it, but I would be really, really interested to see what did what did Mays bat off of Koufax, and what was Koufax? Because you know, when we interview you interview baseball players, and one of the fun questions, and if anybody has an, a chance to interview a baseball player, a great baseball player, particularly, one of the great questions to ask them is, "Go, did anybody own you who shouldn't have?" And they're invariably the Roger clemens of the world uh the 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 John Smoltz there'll always be some guy who hit like two eighteen uh career but went you know ten out of twenty six against them uh so that's i that I'm really interested to know uh and i and I would do that research actually i'd really he's, be
1: interested to know he 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 hit about two eighty two seventy eight okay he had about ninety seven at bats against him five home runs now the key is that he faced Koufax when Koufax was a kind of run of the mill pitcher when he was in Brooklyn and and even early years in in L.A.
0: Because he was and 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 Koufax in the beginning was a power pitcher and he was a uh, he threw almost exclusively heat and one of the reasons that he became a better pitcher at least this is what I've seen and read about Koufax was that when he did some damage to his arm and he could not throw his velocity dropped he became a better pitcher.
1: Yeah, he. I believe his first year was 1955, and uh, I'm not sure he was part of that World Series. I don't think he was. And his last year was 1966. But really, 62 through 66 is are, his, are the, the years that made him a Hall of Fame pitcher and one of the best pitchers of all time. In 1959, there were glimpses. There was this great game where he, he struck out 15 Giants. And we're talking Orlando Cepeda, Willie McCovey, Willie Mays, in the middle of yet another pennant race between the Giants and the Dodgers. And that was the first sort of glimpse about Sandy Koufax. So if you think about it, they were in, uh, you know, Mays had a chance to bat against Koufax a good amount. Yeah. When he was a quote-unquote run-of-the-mill pitcher and a good amount when he was not that. And uh, it, is, it, is a, it is a great matchup, and it is a tale of two great performers uh, individually, and it's also a tale of two guys that were almost above the sport, in a way. Mm. They they were able to, as a matter of fact, the, the very famous fight between Johnny Roseboro and Juan Marichal, uh, which obviously we'll go into, uh, after 14 minutes, think about that. Of people just beating on each other for four. No, normally in a baseball brawl, you go out there, maybe two <laughs> people are fighting. Maybe they'll do it for three or four minutes. Everyone a else A guys just square around. dance
0: with each other so they don't have to get to be a, a part of it. Yeah. I, that yes. would have been me yes. in any sort of team fight as I'd be over here finding somebody that, you know, didn't smell horrible. And okay, you mind if we just uh, tussle up around here for a while? Cause I don't want any part of this.
2: Spin your partner round and round.
1: <laughs> yes. No, see, no. And it was 14 minutes, and the pe- the the two players that ended up breaking up the whole thing. Were Willie Mays and Sandy Koufax, and Sandy Koufax was on the mound for for that, and uh, was part of the you know part of the reason why that particular event happened. Is a matter of fact, it had nothing to do with Sandy Koufax brushing Juan Marichal back. It had everything to do with Johnny Roseboro when he threw the uh, the ball back to Sandy Koufax, brushing Marichal's ear two different times. So uh, Koufax and Mays are key. In this thing, Uh, the events and pennant races are key and 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 just really the theme of the thing is talking about how the the heights this rivalry has taken baseball and each team's uh, and within each team's history and the lows, unfortunately, that it has gone to. All right. Excellent. Well, you
0: know, I, I had planned on announcing what my deep dive was going to be uh, the following Friday, but I haven't decided on it yet, so I'll, I'll let you know on Friday. Looking forward to Giants-Dodgers, because to your point, I think if you look at uh – uh you know, the, the biggest rivalries in Major League Baseball, obviously Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, Giants, Dodgers, and they all, and I think just benefit of the fact that teams been around for a long time. There have been long periods of time where, uh, one or both of them were not, uh, relevant in the playoff chase. But I, but I do think to, to your point as well, there are so many great moments in those rivalries when, you know, one team was maybe not a good team even, but, had an opportunity to spoil the other team's season. somehow had an yeah. opportunity
1: the last series of the season to, to knock the other team out, even and, if they and, had a mediocre season. Absolutely. It happened more than once. And it's one of the best things about why
0: baseball rivalries, in my mind, are always uh, more uh, uh, viable than football rivalries, is you have a rivalry within your division in baseball. You play a team enough times that you can affect their their season a lot more than in football. You play them twice and, you know, maybe bad team can hope for a split, maybe a sweep, but it just in, in baseball, you could be a 70 win team. But if eight of those wins were against your rival, then you could keep them out of the playoffs. Really, really look forward to it.
1: And, uh, and unlike Boston, New York or Chicago, St. Louis, the, these teams started across the country and then yeah. ended up, on the other side of the country. In the same city, essentially. I mean, Brooklyn, obviously. In, in, in the same city, in a, New York City. Yeah, not, not the same boroughs, but the same city. And ended up, you know, as heated rivals all the way across the country. So that's a significant part of that story. And I think what adds a little, you know, allure and romance to the Giants-Dodgers as opposed to those, those other two rivalries. Right. Not and to diminish them. Not no. to diminish them, John.
0: No, and the fact that they left in the same year to go to the West Coast, and it is, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, San Francisco and Los Angeles, you know, arguably along with San Diego, the three most recognizable cities in California, and you know, NoCal, SoCal, which is a battle oh, yeah. outside of that. So, no, it's yeah. a it's a it's a great one. It's it's a great one, and we really really look forward to it. And it, it will though.
1: be very fair and balanced. Very fair and
0: balanced. May not be fair and balanced. <laughs> All right. For Mark Ferreira and Jeff Taylor, I'm John Pelkey. Thank you for uh, whether you're watching and listening now or listening to the podcast later on. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Once again, if you wish to reach out to us via email for any reason, uh, criticism, you know, limit that as much as you possibly can. Uh, compliments, ideas, podcastafr at gmail.com is our email address. Once again, for everybody here at AFR, have a great week, everybody, and we will be back on Friday with Giants-Dodgers Deep Dive, narrated by Mark Ferreira. Take care, everybody.